everyone. Welcome back to the Training with Tucker podcast. This is episode 53, and I'm excited to welcome on my coach, Ryan Miller, who has previously been on this podcast in episodes 43, 17, and 19. And today, I'm bringing him on to recap my training in the past 12 months, what it's looked like going through the process of physical therapy, getting healthy, and then training for the Chicago Marathon. And I thought this would be a very helpful discussion for you out there to to hear, um, to hear some of the, the lessons that I learned through this training process. I've been working with Ryan for the past two years, and he has certainly helped me become a more well-rounded athlete and also has helped me learn that training smart is way more important than training hard. And so in this past year, I have trained smarter than I've ever trained before, and it has allowed me to take off 16 minutes uh, in my marathon time in that period working with Ryan. So I've gone from a 249 marathoner now to Chicago this past weekend, where I ran a 233.26. So hope you enjoy this conversation with Ryan Miller. We talk about his life, his training, as well as go in depth on my own training. So I hope that you get a lot out of this. And if you have questions for me or Ryan, feel free to reach out to us. Okay, Ryan, thanks so much for coming back on today. First off, how are you doing? Man, I'm honored to be back, Tucker. You're the man, love coaching you. And uh, man, you just have an amazing podcast. So I appreciate it. And I've been good. Uh, getting back to full health on my own calf with my running journey and working towards the California International Marathon coming up. Mastering fatherhood as a parent of two as of August 16th. So we're starting to get some more sleep a couple months deep into that. And yeah, life's good. I, this time of year is perfect. Weather's cooling down. You're running a little bit faster. Everyone's getting excited. World marathon majors are happening. So yes, sir. Good. How have you been? I'm doing great. Congrats also to you and Lacey. That that's super exciting for your little growing family over there. Um, how has that that been so far for you? Yeah, it's been an adjustment. Uh, having two children is much more demanding than having one. I will say yeah. that much more one on one time. But I'm loving it. I get to spend a lot more time with our two year old Maverick and Lacey's. You know, because she's breastfeeding, is spending a lot more time with our eight week old Maxon. And we're in the process of moving to a new house as well. So throw that on top of it. And it can be a bit chaotic at times. But luckily, we have her parents, Lacey's, and my parents close by. So we get a lot of family help along the way. That's that's great. Um, before we dig into into my training and talk about, you know, how that's gone over the past year. Um, how has your build been going for CIM? And now that you're inside of eight weeks out, how are you feeling for it? I would love to be saying that it's going fantastic, but it's really not actually. So for the last month, I've been dealing with a calf strain on my left side and it was more gastro um, up near the top, like right below my knee on the outside at the beginning. It transitioned more to soleus all in the same left calf. So I've been in standstill, mixing rest days with easy running for like the last four weeks. Um, so not so hot. Uh, I think it's still possible I could get to CIM and be in Olympic trials qualifying fitness, which would be, which would be sub two hours and 18 minutes. 
but right now I, I kind of need everything to go perfect these, these next few weeks. And yeah. if that doesn't happen, I may end up pulling out of CIM and putting my focus either on, I'm looking at the Houston marathon, which is, you know, six weeks later in January, or even just going all the way to black Canyon hundred K, which is what I was planning on doing in February and just completely nixing a, a road marathon and getting back to the, the ultra on the trail. Gotcha. Well, I'm sorry to hear you're dealing with that. And, uh, I hope I'll keep my fingers crossed and I hope that things go, go well for you and you can get healthy and toe the line at, at CIM or Houston and, and give a, give a good effort and give it hell. Ah, I appreciate it, Tucker. Yeah, it's frustrating, but you know, we all go through these things, right? You live and you learn, you evaluate why it occurred. Um, for me, it was, I was pushing too hard too soon on too little sleep, uh, trying to get ready for CIM. And I probably needed to be a little bit more conservative in the buildup, but you know, it, uh, it happens and you come back and you learn that, Hey, I need to balance stress with rest and enjoyment of running. And honestly, I think you found that the last year and that's what really led to Chicago and you absolutely killing it out there for a new PR. Yeah, definitely something that we're going to talk about as we go along here. And, you know, I, I don't have the added stress of a newborn and a two-year-old and, you know, all that you have in life. So I could see how that would definitely play a part in, in, you know, maybe not being at, at full health, just not getting the sleep and the rest and the recovery that is so valuable. Yeah, for sure. But lots of parents out there do it. Uh, it can be done. I think you just have to be efficient with your time. And the thing I found is you just got to go to bed early. I mean, you're going to, you have an alarm clock with your kids every morning. It's making the choice after you get them down and 8, 8 PM, 8 30 is kind of like the time that we finally finish all of our parenting activities. Are you going to stay up till 10 30 PM watching the Monday night football game? Or are you going to go to bed? And you kind of just have to make the decision on what you're going to prioritize for the day. Right. Well, I will certainly keep that in mind if, uh, if I ever go down that path of having children. Um, well, anyways, uh, let's transition here into talking about my build for the Chicago marathon. I thought having you on as my coach would be, you know, really valuable for the listeners. We had a great conversation last week to strategize for, for the marathon. And we, we talked a lot about how this build went and I think we got like 15 minutes into our conversation and we were like, man, we should have been recording this because this is a great conversation. Yeah. So, you know, I think it'll be a great conversation, not only for you and I to have as coach athlete, but hopefully there'll be some takeaways for the listeners. So I want to talk a little about how the past year has gone. Um, it's almost, it's a year almost to the day from the Boston marathon. And in that time, this year has, has had some ups and downs and, uh, I think it's really interesting to see kind of how I went from 241 at Boston to 233 at Chicago um, in maybe less than a traditional approach. So, you know, obviously, I just want to say before we dig into this, that everybody's different. And just because this past training cycle worked well for me and the past year got me, you know, to a 233 at Chicago, it does not mean that that you know, it's going to work for everybody out there. So, um, you know, just want to put that caveat in there, but I do still think there are some, some lessons to be learned. So, um, first off, you know, what do you think went well in this training cycle that led to a big PR for me in Chicago? Well, number one, you stayed healthy. 
I think that's been the biggest challenge. And coming into this block, and really throughout the block, we were balancing the ankle that had been chronically bothering you beforehand. But through it all, you did all the right things with physical therapy, your strength and mobility, managing your stress um, with the training, and it held up. So, you know, when we scroll back through training, in our training log, we have it color-coded. So green means you, like, hit everything on the day. Yellow means you were close, but you were somewhere, you know, like, 10 to 25% maybe off the target volume. And then red means either didn't log it or, you know, something else happened on that day where maybe we move things around. And you got green virtually across the board with a lot of, you know, some yellow sprinkled in and very few reds. And that's a sign that, hey, you've been consistent throughout it. And when you're able to stack that up over time, the longer you do that, not just days and weeks, but months like you did, that's what leads to the bigger breakthroughs, right? So you did that. You got some fun racing experience. I think stepping down to the mile and the 3,000-meter steeplechase that you did and lining up with some big guns, like some elite runners at the shorter distances and performing well gave you another boost in confidence that, hey, there's more in the tank here. You parlay that speed and the aerobic fitness you have from your days on the weekends in the trails, going hiking, and you combine that into the marathon. I mean... There, there, that's why you hit a new PR and had a huge breakthrough out there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. And, and there's also the, the other factors too, that are worth mentioning. Like it, it wasn't purely a almost eight minute fitness improvement. Like there were also conditions that made a big PR more mm-hmm. feasible. You know, Chicago is a much flatter course than Boston. And going into Boston, we thought that I was probably in like 238 shape. And with the hills and the the hotter day, it, it ended up being a 241 day, which we were super happy with. And it was almost a, a, a fairly uh, low positive split with the Newton Hills is, was pretty, pretty solid and, and we were happy with, um, but definitely was a, a friendlier day in Chicago. So that certainly helped. Um, but you're, you're spot on like this year, it was a lot less about running six days a week and getting in high volume and two to three workouts per week. And a lot more about prioritizing physical therapy, um, putting some volume in on the bike, doing things that I was really inspired to do. So as you mentioned in in the race pursuits, it was going to the track and doing some mile races and and the three thousand meter steeplechase, which was a ton of fun, and uh, and also like going out on the trails for some long days, doing some some hikes, some long long time on feet, you know, hiking fourteeners, and um, I also got to pace at a couple ultra marathons this summer, which were you know certainly a lot of slow running and, and hiking, uh, at the later stages of hundred K and hundred mile distance ultras, but they were long days or long amounts of time on feet. And I just really, really enjoyed it. So it really just stoked the fire in me to, you know, continue to love the, the running. Yes, for sure. And we still had a great indicator race with your labor day half marathon, that you did um, just outside Denver in early September. So I love when anyone can take you know that four to six weeks out period, run 
a ideally a half marathon, but it could also be 15k, 20k, 10k, like get some sort of all out effort and get a good indication of where your fitness is at. And you ran 114 in altitude. So you convert that. Yeah, that converts to a low 230 marathon. And you prove that in Chicago, which we had all the confidence going in that it would be possible that you could do that. Right. Yeah. Um, again, that, you know, as a coach myself, that is something that I preach to my athletes and I never really understand how runners go into a marathon with any kind of a goal without a fitness test. I'm like, you're, you're literally just going off of your long runs. Like how, how does that give you an idea? Like the pace that you're running in your long runs shouldn't be that close to your race pace you know and so many people do they just go into a race thinking oh well i ran this pace for this long run or i did this in a workout so this is what i'm going to shoot for and i feel like a lot of times that kind of blows up so getting a, a fitness test in yeah it was a huge confidence booster to know that over the summer this year as opposed to 2021 the volume was probably half to three quarters of what it was last year and yet i ran at the same race same course pretty much the same weather i ran 50 seconds faster in the half marathon and you plug that into really any race converter you get the equivalent of of being a, a low to mid 230 and that did give me a ton of confidence going into chicago that i was capable of doing that yeah and i think we should caveat with when you talk about volume, you're referring to miles specifically. Now, if you look at it time-wise, you might actually be not that far off from what you were doing previously. You were just doing it in a different way, right? Because you know, doing a 25-minute mile going straight up a mountain is a lot different than run, being able to run three and a half miles on flat ground during that time. But you know, your heart rate's high when you're climbing that mountain. You're still getting the same aerobic effort. Now, like your demands on your other systems are quite different when you're climbing a mountain versus just running seven, eight minute pace on flat ground. But aerobically, you're still getting in the same amount of of time spent in, you know, zone one, zone two. So I don't think you were maybe as far off as you think on the volume side, just right. in a different context. Absolutely. And, you know, you can see that I still, you know, fall into that trap a little bit as well of looking only at the the running mileage, even though I'm a full believer in volume being time and time not necessarily of only running. Um, but I think it's a very common mistake that a lot of runners make is that, you know, they look at their weekly mileage and they also look at, okay, what's working for these other people. And oftentimes it's looking at what works for the elites or maybe for somebody else that is running a time they want to run. And, you know, we had this conversation last week about how when I ran that half marathon back in September, someone, someone that I was running with, we were chatting about kind of what our training had looked like. And I told him that I was running mostly like 40 to 50 and a couple of weeks closer to the high fifties, low sixties, uh, miles per week. And he was like shocked. He could not believe that I was running um, the pace that I was running so comfortably on that volume when he was running 100 plus miles a week, right? And I even had a friend ask me after Chicago uh, if I was only posting or if all the runs that I was doing were posted on Strava because he was looking at my Strava page and he could not believe that 
that was all I was doing. Right. And I think it's just, just a very common trap that, that people fall into of looking at your weekly, weekly mileage and thinking that that is kind of the end all be all. So, you know, why do you think that there's a fair amount of, you know, surprise around my result and the kind of weekly mileage that I was hitting? That's a good question. Um, I think it's that you were still checking the big boxes in your training, right? You were doing the long runs. You were hitting the quality. If you are going to lower your volume, especially to the range that you were in, you still are probably running the same purport- or same amount of quality work as you would previously. Um, you're also throwing in strides. We're making sure we're focusing on speed so we don't neglect that at all. Like we're still we're still checking all the boxes. It's just yes, you you take off maybe one or two doubles per week. Uh, maybe take an extra rest day to balance all the the stress in your life. Uh, but when you look at like the big stress days, they're still there. You know what I mean? And there's so many other factors that go into it too. I mean, very few people like to mention it, but like genetically. It, there's a lot of there's a lot that goes on in the background that like you you might be made to be a 220 marathoner right and some people may never be able to achieve that um and yes like we want to work hard to reach our potential and that's exactly it like your potential is where your potential individually is and you don't get to choose it but you do get to choose how hard you work to reach to it so yeah i think that's that's something that we all need to take into it. And that's something I think about myself too. I'm like, you know, would I love to be as good as Elliot Kipchoge? Heck yeah. Am I ever going to be as good as Elliot Kipchoge no matter how hard I work? Probably not at this point, uh, nor will maybe anyone else ever. Uh, so yeah, I think again, it's, it's this attitude that it's only the miles that matter. Right. Cause that's, that's what you see on Strava. You see the miles and yep. you see the pace. You don't see the context of what terrain are you on? How much vert are you running? How much time are you spending aerobically out there? What, how fast are you running your workouts? Right. Cause even I'll, I'll look at Strava and you see somebody that separates in Strava, their warm up, their workout and their cool down. Well, their workout looks super sexy because the paces are really fast. But then other people, if their warm up and cool down are included in their workout, you don't see like that they did yep. eight by thousand meters at you know like 5k to 10k effort um so anyways that's my rant for the day uh thank you for joining my ted talk <laughs> i'm just kidding uh yeah no i i think you're you're hitting on a couple really important things there i think there's definitely a genetic component component to it my lifetime running volume is definitely higher than maybe some other athletes um, you know, people who got into running later in life who didn't run high school cross country and, and didn't run their first half marathon when they were in college and, you know, weren't maybe running as consistently throughout their life, they don't have the the base that I do. So there is a difference there. Um, and another thing that I think I've shifted over the past handful of years is my mindset around particularly around Strava, you know, Strava is great, but it can also be problematic is, you know, really caring about what shows up on your Strava, like you said, and worrying about, you know, what pace is going to be there and, and having that Strava graph be like a really nice progression, like week to week to week with a cutback and then like perfect, you know, 
increasing again the next three to four weeks. And like, um, you know, I used to also like at the end of a run, if it was like a, a 5.9 on my watch, I was running the extra 0.1, you know, I was chasing that cause I wanted it to be a perfect 6.0. Um, whereas I feel like over the last couple of years, especially in the last year, I've shifted to where I really don't care. And a lot of my running is slower. I mean, you look at other individuals who, you know, I see posting on Strava and they're, they're out there racing marathons, 15, 20, 30 minutes slower than me, but their easy runs are a minute, 90 seconds faster than mine. And so they might be getting in more mileage, but I'm probably getting in more time going out there and running at a nice, comfortable eight to nine minute pace. Um, I also do a lot of group runs. So I'm running with, with individuals that, you know, might have a slower, easy run pace than me. And I'll just comfortably run with them because I would rather run with other people um, than I then go off and run on my own. So yeah, I think there's definitely some, some shifts that have happened in my mindset around, you know, chasing that pace, chasing those miles and now just running more for joy and not, not worrying about, you know, what, what shows up on Strava. Yeah. You are becoming more process oriented rather than outcome oriented, which is super, super important for long-term development. Cause if you're outcome oriented, any one time bad workout or bad race can completely derail you, you know? Right. And for you, like, yeah, you're just looking at, Hey, if I, if you zoom out far enough, you are continuing to progress over time. And when I say zoom out far enough, I don't mean like zoom out to one week or a month. I mean, like, like you said, look at the lifetime of miles you've put in. It has been a fairly solid progression over that entire time. But if you zoom in too far, there's going to be minor ups and downs along the way. So yes, you're process oriented. You're finding the joy in your running because happiness matters in this world where, you know, we're not getting paid to go out and run Chicago. We're doing it because we love it. And genuinely you're going to be better at anything you do if you actually like doing it you know what i mean show me like the world's top performer in something that they also hate what they're doing it it doesn't happen um right not to say we're the top performers in the world but take taking some conclusions from those folks you got to be passionate about what you're doing and you're continuing to find that which i'm overjoyed for you because nothing is as awesome as this running community whether it's marathoning, ultra marathoning, um, the road racing side of just actually liking to do it. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And it's one of the things that I really appreciate about you as a coach and I think has worked really well for us is that you know that there is no right way. And you were very supportive of me doing things that weren't necessarily, you know, the maybe the, the quote unquote, like right way to train for a road marathon, but things that I really cared about. So going out and doing some really awesome longer days on the, on trails, um, going out and pacing at Leadville and pacing at never summer and doing some of these things that, yeah, were they specific to running a flat road marathon? No, but they gave me so much joy and really just, you know, made me love running at a whole other level, um, that I, that carried through to, to race day. And we were talking a little before we started recording that 
I've never felt so calm and relaxed as I did this past weekend at a marathon. You know, previously I was really anxious and antsy and just not in a great mental place leading up to marathons, which is fairly normal, right? It's it's common to be really nervous and anxious and kind of the waiting around to get to the start line is is a really challenging part. But I think because I had found so much much joy in my running and because I was very clear from the the beginning of this kind of training cycle with you that my A goal for Chicago was to have fun. I felt like Boston, I got a good PR. I was really happy with it, but I didn't enjoy myself. And sure, part of it was probably the hills and the heat, but um, I also felt like I didn't look around. I didn't take it all in. I didn't you know, soak up the environment. I was just so dialed on like, I need to be hitting my pace every mile or else. And so I think coming into Chicago with the A goal of, I want to have fun and whatever time I get, I can be happy with as long as I, you know, prioritize enjoying the experience and soaking it all up and just seeing how I felt in the start line, right? Like I, last week I thought I was coming down with a kind of a head cold. Doesn't seem to have really hit me. Who knows? Maybe it still will. But um, there was that. I also like may have gotten food poisoning one night and didn't feel great. So like it was not a perfect uh, week leading up to the marathon. And so I knew like there was a chance that I wasn't going to feel great on the start line. And maybe I would just see how I felt and give it my best shot. Um, but it really freed me up to uh, to not stress about it and feel like I either was going to PR or it was going to be a bust. I really went into it thinking, whatever this day brings, I'm going to make the best of it. And it just so happened that I felt great and the stars aligned and I had a great day. Um, but the, the joy that I felt last weekend was was uh, just really you know incredible. And I appreciate how you allowed me to explore that throughout training. Yeah. And I, I think the telling part about this is that in this whole discussion we've had so far, we haven't really talked about the race itself. The race was a culmination of everything that you did to prepare to go into it physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, right? That made the day, you know, it definitely was not easy. Like the effort was not, but you were prepared to take on what you were going to take on out there. Um, and having that mentality of, if you give it your all and you enjoy the day, you're going to hit the time you're meant to hit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the outcome is negligible as long as you are hitting all those process oriented check boxes, enjoy yourself, give your best effort possible, hit some of the little things. If you can focus on them, running the tangents, getting your nutrition in, making sure checking on your effort, how your, how's your breathing feel? How do your muscles feel out there? And you do that. You're going to have the best possible day for yourself out there. And it's really fun too. I think, that we neglect sometimes as uh, coaches and athletes is, is we feel like we have to be dialed into a specific pace. When you go out there more open-minded, you give yourself the chance to have big breakthroughs like you had, yeah. right? If we said, okay, you ran 241 in Boston, like 236 would be a, a great time out there. So let's aim for that. Well, you start running 232 pace. You may scare yourself. You might, you know, that might spin into a negative mindset. Like, oh my God, I'm going too fast. I got to pull it back. You know, we didn't do that. And I think that's, that's something where I think about 
in my younger days as an athlete of GPS watches. And I say younger days, I'm 30. I got into running like 2008 when I was, at, was when I seriously committed to running, but GPS watches were not prevalent back then. I don't even remember wearing a watch in a race until maybe three or four years ago. I would just toss my little Timex off to the side and just run the race. And there was a beauty in that. You know what I mean? About the competition and about being process oriented with it. And of course, it's fun to go back and look at the data afterwards uh, when it's sexy, like like your time was in Chicago. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. And the day, I think one thing too, is you went out under control at Chicago. Like we look at your splits, you had a, almost like a slight negative split out there, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and you bring us to a good point here for anybody that's thinking about running Chicago in the future, you really can't look at your watch. And I made that mistake a few times in the first five miles, um, where you're, you're kind of in the city and then you're working your way North and you get out of the city. And I checked my watch at one point point. it said like nine 15. I checked my watch again. It said five twenty, and I was definitely not running nine 15. I was probably running more like five forty five pace. So five twenty wasn't super far off, but it was easy to feel those thoughts kind of creeping in of like, oh man, am I going too slow? Am I going too fast? Do I need to adjust? And I felt so smooth. And after like the third or fourth time that I checked my, my pace and I was like, I don't feel like that's accurate. I just trusted and I just dialed into how I felt. And I also was, what I started doing was I would hit the lap button at each mile so that I could kind of keep track of, of time between miles instead of looking at the pace. Um, that was a suggestion that one of my friends gave me and, and that helped a lot. And so I had a sense of, of what pace I was running, but I was going primarily off of feel. And so, you know, that did really free me up to just, you know, run free and, and trust that because I was running like 545 pace, which was definitely a bit faster than I had intended to run early on in the race. I was like, all right, well, it feels good. So there's no need to be scared. Just trust it and give yourself a chance and see what happens. And luckily it paid off and I was able to progress in the back half of the race and finish strong. But, um, yeah, I, you know, running on feel and giving yourself a chance are, are two huge things that, that I think athletes can learn. For sure. And that comes with experience too. I don't necessarily think a first time marathoner should go out there and say, I'm just going to run entirely by feel. You've never run a marathon before. So yeah. you don't necessarily know how it's going to feel yet, especially when you get to that last 10 K. So that's where it might make more sense to come in based on, especially if you've had like that tune up race four to six weeks out and you kind of know what general fitness you're in, you can sit some parameters for yourself of like don't go faster than this don't go slower than this have some wiggle room but you know you can feel good in the beginning of a marathon it can certainly be too fast you know half marathon oh, effort yeah. should feel good in the beginning of the race too so you totally. don't want to quite quite go there but yes. you nailed it and one thing that was that was funny i wanted to mention i was looking at uh in our training log at the splits I think you left auto split on, on your watch. So it would hit a, like a mile split according to your GPS. And then I would see you would then hit the lap button. Let's just say like 10 seconds later because the GPS was off from the distance on the course. So pro tip for everybody out there, turn off auto lap on your watch. And instead, if you want to take splits and there's markers on the course, just lap it yourself because the, the course markings, especially a big races like Chicago, 
are much more accurate than your GPS watch. Now, if you're doing like your local 5K, who knows if they measured it properly. So your watch might be a better indication there. But for a race like this or a big city marathon, turn off auto split. You'll be better for it. Yeah, that that's a great point. I definitely was hitting what my watch thought was a mile um, before I actually hit the the mile marker and uh, ended up running, according to my watch, over 27 miles. So certainly was not accurate. And we know that Chicago is a well-measured course. Yeah. So I want to ask you, Tucker, where do you go from here, right? How are your goals and thoughts on running evolving after Chicago? And you've had a few days to think about it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, even before Chicago, I think something that was really helping me going to into Chicago with a, a good mindset was that I already felt more excited about the Bandera 100K than I did about Chicago. And that's nothing to not to say that I wasn't excited for Chicago. I just, you know, I was more excited for pursuing this this 100K on trails and, and seeing where that took me. And, you know, the the hope there is that next summer I'll be back pursuing a, a hundred miler. So I think that's, that's where I see myself going. Um, that being said, I, I did sign up for Berlin next September. So, um, you know, that's, that's a race that I'm super excited to, to get to do. Um, you know, I was talking to you a little bit after the race and, you know, really, I think if I was being realistic with myself, I don't think I would have predicted I would have run, under under 235 i think i I probably thought 235 to 238 was right about where uh, my fitness was at um to run 233 26 i now really believe that running under 230 is is doable for me and that's crazy because it's not that long ago three years and two marathons ago that i was running 249 um back up even a little further. And, you know, three and a half years ago is the first time I broke three hours. So, um, it's, it's pretty mind blowing to think that I, that I could possibly be running in the two twenties, but I just got a, a huge wave of belief from running Chicago and, and running it super strong. And, um, so yeah, pursuing a, a sub two thirty in, in Berlin next year would be, would be really awesome. Um, but uh, in the shorter future, just really excited to to get back on the trails and pursue some ultras. Dude, I am so excited for you. Berlin's going to be amazing. Bandera is going to be amazing. Uh, that's right. I mean, that's like an hour away from where I live. So I'll definitely be meeting you in person for the first time, which will be really exciting when you come down here and maybe lending you a helping hand out there on your crew as well. Hell yeah. I feel like I got uh, definitely a a uh, advantage going into that with uh, a past winner as my coach. So I'm, I'm super excited for it. Heck yes. Well, I've taken up uh, enough of your time today. I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, and discussing my training block and uh, you know, just thank you for all your help and your support and your belief in me and getting me to this point. And uh I will I'll let you go now so you can relieve Lacey and uh, take over on, on baby duty. Um, but uh, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you, Tucker. You're the man.
Okay. There you have it. That's my conversation with Ryan. I hope you got a lot out of that. Please consider leaving a rating and a review and share this with anybody who you think would benefit from hearing it. I am super excited to be bringing on another awesome guest next week in Jason Fitzgerald from Strength Running. You might be familiar with his podcast, the Strength Running Podcast. So we have a great conversation in store for you next week. Make sure you hit subscribe so that you don't miss it. And I look forward to sharing that with you next week. 